Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Hello and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Rob Longo from Stewardship and Mission of Faith, and today I'm with Tom Terrace and Tom DeAngelis. How are you guys doing? Good, hey, Rob. Thanks, Great. Rob. All right. Good so for here. our regular listeners, David is not here, so uh, we wish him wish him the best and look forward to his return next week, God willing. Uh, but for those who are new and you don't know what the heck a Reflections from the Heart is, uh, it is a gospel reflection. And, and you still might be saying, what is a gospel reflection? Well, it's uh, the opportunity to look at the gospel that we will hear on Sunday. But instead of waiting till Sunday to hear it for the first time, we open it up now, and uh, it's it's awesome. So this week's gospel is John fourteen fifteen to twenty one. So if you have a uh, if you're in a spot where you can grab a Bible or or look on your on your phone, John fourteen fifteen to twenty one. So we'll we'll pray, we'll read the gospel, and then we just let the Holy Spirit uh, drive the conversation. And uh, as you're listening, just Ask that question, Lord, what are you saying to me right now? And usually a word or a phrase will jump out at you and, uh, and just chew on that for a while. And just, uh, you know, if you have no one there to share with, just, just talk to our Lord. And, and, uh, and he might be wanting to say something through, through one of our comments. Uh, but it's just an, an awesome opportunity to prepare for that amazing prayer that we call the Mass. So without further ado, let's, uh, let's begin. Tom, want to open us up with a prayer? Sure. Uh, this prayer is taken from our stewardship prayer book of Catholic prayers. Many of you can find this probably on the display racks in the back of your churches in the Diocese of Harrisburg, and also it's available from us online. Uh, it's one of the first prayers in the book, and it's one of my favorites, uh, and I think it'll prime us up for John's gospel here. It's called Jesus' Prayer for Unity on page 2. I pray not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, so that they may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and I have given them the glory that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be brought to perfection as one, that the world may know that you sent me and that you love them even as you love me. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Tom. And now the, the gospel, Tom. Uh, yeah, this is uh, from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, 15 through 21. Jesus said to his disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot accept, because it neither sees nor knows him. But you know him, because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live and you will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and observes them is the one who loves me. 
And whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. I was just thinking about the, the, the why behind this. Why, why does Jesus, why is he saying this? You know, and, and for us to know the why, I think, is important. And the why comes, it's a, kind of like on the bookends, you know, a few verses before Jesus says you know, what the new commandment is. Right? Mm-hmm. I give you a new commandment to love one another as I have loved you. Kind of raising the bar from, you know, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, sometimes we're we're not the the easiest on ourselves. So for you know, if I'm loving you guys as you know, if I'm beating myself up today, then I get to, right. I get to beat you up a little bit. No, but love, I need to love you as Jesus loves you. You know, as, as Jesus loves me. But then on the other end, so we have this gospel, and then in John 15, he talks about uh, you know the Father and I are one. The Father loves me. I love you. Obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. I and then Jesus says, I obey the Father's commandments. And the reason I tell you this is so that you would have joy, that my joy would be in you and your joy would be complete, overflowing. So the why is love, right? So out of love for us, Jesus is saying, follow my commandments. And when you do, especially that great commandment of, of you know, loving each other as he loves us, then the result is joy. I just want your joy. I want you to experience joy, not pleasure. I think there's a big fake in the world. The world's going to say, well, you need to do this to get all the pleasure you can get out of life. You know, eat, drink, and be merry, right? Live, live, live for the moment. And it's a lot of, it's, it's a pleasure message. Big difference between momentary pleasures and lasting joy that, that our Lord is talking about. You know, when you hear commandments, people sometimes rail against, you know, follow the commandments. Here we go again. No, Jesus has, it's, it's out of love for us and for our joy. And it's like a spiral that goes up, you know, that, you know, we, we know Jesus, we want to get to know him, love him and serve him. And it's, out of joy, out of love and for our joy. And then it's just like this upward spiral, right? That just keeps going into heaven. And and the opposite is true as well, that the vicious cycle of me, myself, and I, that gets us all bound up and tight. And, and, you know, and then there's another spiral, but that spiral just kind of just digs us in and, and just more inward into ourselves. So mm. the choice is there. God always gives us that choice, that free will. You know, we can enter into a vicious cycle of me, myself, and I, and just look out for what's in it for me, my pleasure in the moment right now, or that virtuous cycle of knowing and loving and serving, that beautiful cycle of receiving Jesus's love and obeying his commandments and, and following this because he loves us. He has the best intention for us, for our joy. So the, the, the choice is ours. Mm-hmm. And that's like that, what you're describing comes to me as that spirit of truth mm-hmm. that he mentions here, whom the world cannot accept, you know, so I think there's so much pressures on all of us, you know, to be like everyone else or be like better than the next person or, you know, trying to outdo each other, gain power and all that. And it's, you know, rejecting that spirit of truth that you were just describing, wanting it my own way. And, you know, that spirit of relativism, you know, where the truth is what I believe it to be and all that, where in this gospel, Jesus is making it kind of clear, you know, follow me, you know, keep my commandments, you know, and my father will love you. And so I think he makes it clear as to what we have to do or what we should do, you know, to uh, shield ourselves from that spirit of the world that battles against the spirit of truth. You know, Rob, when you picked up on Jesus's uh, opening line here in this, this gospel, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then to kind of back up a little bit in John's gospel and realize, you know, I'd run across that passage um, 
in, I was reading a text by, uh, I think it was in the daily office by one of the, one of the saints, I think it was a second reading. And for the first time, I re- it really hit me when he was talking about Jesus giving us a new commandment. And in some ways, he said it kind of supersedes all the other ones, because if you do this, all the other ones are covered. And it was, and, and, and he quoted the, the line from John in the, the, the verses right before this, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And it really hit me because when you ask the obvious question, well, how did he love us? Well, you know, in our Catholic tradition, we have crucifixes all over the place to remind us of what he did for us. And and so that really then backs me up and says, well, I'm not necessarily going to be crucified. I might not be martyred, but how do I give my life? How do I give my life for other people? How do I give my life for my neighbor? You know, and that's another word that's full of meaning because a neighbor is not necessarily the person that lives next door to you. It's the people who are next to you right now. You know, it's the people in the mini market. It's the people out on the soccer field when you're there with, you know, watching your kids, your grandkids. It's the people that you're around all the time, your neighbor. You know, I mean, the literal interpretation of that word is a neighbor. They're they're nay to you. They're near to you. It's anybody that's around. And it takes it beyond just, you know, boy, I'd do anything for my spouse. I'd do it for my wife, for my children. But Jesus is saying, if you love as I love, love one another as I have loved you, then it's whoever you're with. (laughs) You have to be all in. You have to be all committed for the people who that you're around all the time because they're your neighbor. They're the they're the people that and you know, after we're done here with this broadcast, we'll go someplace else and there'll be another whole set of neighbors, you know, for me, for you, you know. So and those are the people that we're supposed to die for. Those are the people that we're supposed to give our life for, you know. Now, what does that mean in terms of what we do, how we bring Christ to them? Because again, you you brought out his mission, he was sent by the Father to us, to teach us, and to die for us, to sacrifice, to give his life for us. And so that's what we need to do. And I, you know, I think we try to do that in our ministries. Um, even when we're not at work, we're still in that mode. We're still in that, we're still in that ministry because we're always Christians. We're always followers of Christ, whether we're at work in our ministry or whether we're, you know, on the soccer field watching our kid play or something, you know. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I'm just thinking of a situation that happened you know, where we... Uh, we engaged someone for a service, and uh, they were very thorough in their service. It was a cleaning service, and uh, um, you know they they ran out of time, and they didn't get past our kitchen cabinets. Like they, and I was on conference calls the whole time, and I walk in and and so well, I have to go, but I'm going to come back and you know finish everything. I'm just really thorough. I was like, well, yeah. So we got the, the cleanest kitchen cabinets in in town, but you know you didn't get to the bathrooms yet. Um, but she was like a nice young lady, and she had to leave. You know, her mom was not going to you know going to the doctors. She's going to leave, take back. So I was all right. Let's, let's give her a shot. Um, but then uh, I was getting some pushback, like you know, well, why this is ridiculous, and and why do we need to do this? Um, we don't always have to be like doing corporate works of mercy. I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, is it like like you're saying? Yeah. We don't turn it off, right? Like we're supposed yeah. to. You know, this this young lady might be going through some tough times, and this might be the only charitable, merciful experience she has in her day or week or yeah. life right now. So, yeah, we need to always be, you know, it's not an on-off switch. You yeah. know, if we're Christian, we're Christian. You know, it's not, you know, we're Christian because we're doing the radio show right now. It's uh, yeah. it's even more important to do it when we're not doing mm-hmm. Christian stuff, you know, yeah. when we're just living yeah. life. 
Yeah. So uh, that's a that's a good challenge, Tom, to 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 love in the moment who you're with in the moment. I just you know I just wrote what you said. You know, people that it's not the people that live next door; it's the people who are next to you now. So that's what yeah. you said. So I wanted to make sure I wrote that down and and just repeat that for everybody because then it helps us to live in the moment, right? You guys are it. Mm-hmm. This is the only moment yeah. we have, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, if we're blessed with the next moment with the next set of neighbors. Praise God. So it, yeah. I think it really helps us to live in the moment, love in the moment uh, with with who God puts us in front of. You know, too, Rob, when you're talking about that, one of the things that I've experienced um, in my uh, my work in business um, prior to you know coming with stewardship is uh, a lot of times people aren't sure how to bring their faith, uh, in particular the Catholic faith, into the workplace and how they do it. And, you know, I wrestled with that for years. And as it kind of evolved through prayer, you know, daily mass attendance, the Eucharist and asking for help and being put in some very challenging situations that, you know, in some cases, the only thing that I could fall back on was prayer. Um, and, you know, things kind of evolved over a period of time. The, the Lord gave me some insights in, in some of those things. And one of the things I think was learning how to minister to people as a leader, particularly in a business environment. For example, you can't really talk about forgiveness, but when somebody makes a mistake, even if it's a serious mistake, one of the first things to do is not to excuse it, but to make it a learning experience, to help them benefit from it, to help them not only benefit themselves, but to benefit the company so that because you just paid for a mistake that now somebody has the expertise and the motivation and the incentive to learn how to avoid ever again particularly in in a business situation where a lot of people will look at a situation and say, well, I guess I'm toast. They're going to fire me for that. I remember hearing a story early in my business career about uh, a manager at IBM. There was a huge project that was going on, and somebody made a mistake over the weekend. I think they erased a database or something like that. cost the company $10 million. So the individual was called in that Monday morning, first thing assumed they were going to be fired and uh, so sat down in front of the boss and they said, well, I, I guess you want my job. And the, the boss looked at him, kind of raised his eyebrows and said, are you kidding me? I just spent $10 million on your education. You're not going anywhere. You're staying here and fixing this problem. And you're going to, and, and from this point forward, you're going to make sure that nobody else ever does that in this company again. So guess that, guess how that employee uh, was committed not only to the manager, to the company, but the lesson that they learned from that. Now, we can't, you can't in a business environment say, oh, you demonstrated the love of Christ, the forgiveness of Christ, the compassion. You can't say that, but it is. You know, it is. And the other thing that I learned from that was how productive forgiveness can be, how, how generous people become when they've been extended that generosity in a critical situation that touches their heart in a way that you can't ever touch it any other time. You can never have that opportunity to get that commitment again from somebody unless they make another mistake, you know. But then, now, they never want to make another mistake because you, because of what you did with them. And that's those are people that, you know, in a business environment, for those people in our listening audience that work in a business environment, those are people, those are our neighbors. Those are people we're with all the time. And we have particularly um, great impact as leaders, you know, people who are in leadership roles that can that can do things like that. Now, sometimes, you know, it may not be possible, but 
you know, those are the kinds of things I think that, and there are dozens of other kinds of experiences, not just, not just forgiveness, but, you know, generosity, going out of your way to do things for people, particularly if they report to you, who would never expect that, you know, making sure that they're clear, you know, going back and checking and making sure, you know, being, being aware of the fact that they may not be perfectly understanding what you're talking about. So, and Tom, what, you're, things, what yeah. you're talking about is virtue. You know, exactly. we have a relationship yeah. with sports leader and right. their whole mission yeah. is to, to train up coaches to right. then instill and, and, and leverage their sport experience with the kids to train them up in virtue. Mm-hmm. Right. And their, their thing is why virtue equals strength. Right. Vice equals Vice weakness. Vice equals weakness. Yeah. And you know, so what work environment wouldn't want to have a team full mm-hmm. of virtuous people that are, that have honesty, integrity, Perseverance, like you're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, attention to detail. I mean, that's that's virtue. And uh, so, you know, when we bring that into our secular uh, experiences, whether it's business or school, if we're in a in a public school setting, or just relationships with people, and even our kids, uh, you know, we talk about we talk about the the you know the attributes of God without mentioning His name, right? Right. Yeah. That that we're uh, yeah. So. I think about virtue, and then you know, there's you know, faith is a virtue. And uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and when you're talking about how do we bring our faith into the business world, there's a guy that works for a major, major corporation, and he got he had a conversion, and he's just on fire for the Lord, and and he had some uh, they do 360 mm-hmm. feedback, yeah, and some of his feedback was that he's a little too on fire, li- little too on for fire, the yeah. little too on fire for the workplace. Yeah. So he was sharing the other day with a group of us. That he learned his lesson, and he was just at lunch, and uh, and someone said, "Man, Luke, you just seem so excited about life." And I think there was a situation, and and just the way he responded to that, they said, "You know, what, what's up?" And he said, "Well, do you want to know?" I said, "Yeah, we want to know." And it was a person, one person that was asking, and then the HR, one of the HR managers was was there too, and he said, "Well, I just need to ask for your permission because my answer is going to be about my faith. Are you guys okay with that?" And they said, "Oh, absolutely." And then mm-hmm. he shared a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So he yeah. he asked for for permission. They, they they you know he lived it first, right? He exhibited you know the, the joy that we talked about, and they asked. He asked for their permission. He said it's going to be yeah. about faith, and they said yes. And then he he shared. He said I didn't get too deep into it, but just yeah, just let them know that hey, plant yeah. some seeds, you know. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, I had a experience not quite that dramatic, but. Um, I was working with one woman that I worked with, and I challenged her to do some um, some website work. And she was paranoid of computers anyway, but I told her I'd help her, and we worked together. And I was her <clears throat> I was her, her manager, and uh, so I worked with her for a few weeks and brought, helped her get up to speed. And we put together is actually was the first. Um, uh, resume uh, building website that the Hershey company put together and she was responsible for it. And I think they still use a version of it today. This was probably 15 years ago. But then, um, you know, so I helped her and I had helped another woman who was kind of a misfit as a secretary. She'd been passed around to different departments and she came to our department and everybody said, oh no, not, you know, they, they all knew because this was an HR department, so they all knew. Um, but I spent some time with her and I helped make things clear and I challenged her and I you know, pushed her a little bit and, and re- recognized her, rewarded her. 
all those things that I had been learning to do through my faith, but not, as you said. And what really kind of triggered it for me is you said, you know, we bring God into the workplace, but we don't use his name. It was, but, and that's what triggered it is one day this woman came into me one morning, you know, before the busyness got started. And she sat down with her cup of coffee and she said, why do you do this? And I said, what? She said, take this time with people and help them to get better and go out of your way. Nobody else does that. And she said, why do you do that? And I knew her from before. And we actually went to grade school together. And I knew she was a fallen away Catholic. And I said, because it's my faith. I said, this is what we do as Catholics, right? And it changed. It really changed her. In fact, she she's back at mass now. She didn't used to go to mass. She was in a relationship where, um, you know, she wasn't. She had divorced and remarried and never got an annulment. And so she at least respected the Eucharist, not to go to communion. But then she stopped going to mass completely. But now she goes. She's back at mass. And and uh, but that was one of those situations where it was such a affirmation for me that I was bringing the faith into it because, as you said, somebody finally asked about it. Where does this come from? You know. All right. Uh, now, it just reminds me of what you did. It reminds me of that movie Hoosiers. Have you ever seen with Gene Hackman? And I he, did see that. And he helps out the guy who's a drunk oh, that his yeah. son plays on the team. And, yeah. You know, no one, everyone was just like embarrassed about this guy, but yeah. the character Gene Hackman, you know, brings him in because he used to be a good basketball player, I guess, when he was young. So he had he knew all right. these strategies and stuff, but he, you know, and instead the, the, of just... The picket fence. Yeah. Remember the picket yeah, fence play? But instead yeah. of, he used to come in and be a disruption, yeah. right? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, remember Gene that. kind of yeah. like took him under his yeah, wing yeah. and he it, made him like an assistant yeah. coach and tried that's, to help him, you know? That's what you can do. And yeah. then people are so appreciative because... Who, whoever, everybody just sits around and criticizes them. And, you yeah. know, I, I wish they'd get out of here, you know. And like I said, the one woman who was in the secretarial role, she just got passed around like a bad penny. You know, in fact, that's what we used to say jokingly is, well, here's, here's a bad penny. You know, somebody's just passing it around. Somebody take the time. And uh, I wish I had done that earlier in my career because later when I figured out how powerful it was, I went looking for people. <laughs> they become great. They become your best employees because mm-hmm. they're so grateful, and they show up for work with joy, like with joy, as you said earlier, every day because they know you know they know that they're in the right place now. You know they're doing the right stuff, and eventually, if they're not Christian or they're not Catholic or you know they don't know the Lord, they'll probably ask about it at some point, just because yeah. they want to know where this comes from. You know, and and I. You know, Tom, you had mentioned truth, right? And, and the truth of of this whole thing is that Jesus loves us. He loves us so much, right? And he wants yeah. nothing more than than you know for us to be with him together forever, right? Now and forever. And uh, you know, until we trust that that our best interest is at the foundation of everything that we learn from him either direct words from him or through the church or, you know, following commandments. And until we truly trust that he's got our, our back, yeah. then it's going to be hard to follow. And I just heard a, a very, you know, tough story from uh, from a, a high school teacher. Uh, she teaches theology, and she said that the juniors, she does moral theology in his junior year, and she says, man, when we get to those touchy subjects yeah. like, like contraception and chastity and, you know, the, especially the young ladies rail against her, just are so vocal in their in their contempt 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was telling me this just this past week and I was, I was sad in, in a sense, you know, and I was happy for her that, that this woman who loves Jesus so much is there in front of these young men and women and just being a witness just by her life. Uh, but also, you know, it, was, it must be tough just, you know, taking those arrows. Um, but the core of it is these young ladies and young men haven't had that personal encounter with Jesus to the yeah. point where they fully trust that what he says is the best for them. And if we live our lives following in his footsteps and obeying his commandments, the result's going to be a joy and peace that we will never be able to get yeah. from trying to do it our way. Yeah, I, I I work with the Catholic schools in the Diocese of Harrisburg, as you guys well know. But down in my office, I have a poster up that says the purpose of a cat and I I wish I would have made this up myself but I stole it from somebody the purpose of a Catholic education is to provide an encounter with Jesus Christ and I think about that all the time when I go into the school because I become part of that environment now I'm responsible for doing that too with the faculty with um, you know if I meet with a principal or an advancement director or a campus minister or some students you know sometimes I help out with the football team at McDevitt that's my responsibility you know we're to provide an encounter with Jesus and I'm all I got to provide that you know so it's got if it doesn't come from me I can't bring in like a little cutout statue of Jesus you know and say here's your encounter with Jesus I mean, it's got to be me that's all I got to work with and 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 it's a daily thing you know, last week we told everybody listening uh, the loss of uh, one of our teammates uh, here at Stewardship Don Gleichman and what a celebration of his life on Friday last Friday um the funeral mass at his home parish, Anne Elizabeth Ann Seton, uh, my senior king, just did a beautiful job, and just all this, you know, the singing and and his homily, it was just amazing. And uh, and and what struck me most was Don's zeal. Like he had such passion, such passion for the Lord, and he and he lived it. He lived it. He lived it every day. And uh, you know, and and you know, I pray that I have that passion, that 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 childlike wonder and all that. Man, there's always something more to learn. There's always something more to to grow deeper in my faith. And Monsignor told this beautiful story about of a little girl playing in her backyard, and she sees a little bird, and and she's following this bird everywhere from bush to bush, and and asks her mom, "What what is what is that?" And mom says, "It's a sparrow." And this little girl is sounding out the word "sparrow, sparrow," and so fascinated with the sparrow. And then a week goes by, she's in the yard again, and there's a little sparrow that comes and sits right next to the, the girl and mom says oh look there's a look 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 and and the little girl says oh that's just a sparrow right how soon how quickly monsignor said how quick quickly we lose our wonder and awe for life and for and for things of our faith and and don he said in his homily just had that childlike wonder and awe in everything about our faith that he was always willing to dive deeper to Mm -hmm. go deeper so my man Don, just uh, keep interceding for us down here that we, we have that zeal, each and every one of us. And with that, we'll sign off. God bless all of you. Thank you. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at 
stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him. Thank you.